This show is part of the Other Side Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Series 8, Episode 7. Yes, we're still here of the Binary Time Show on this 26th of September 2020. This is Wayne here from a sunny Cam Bristol, actually. And if I look at my Witter app, I am getting clear skies all day, a little bit of cloud in the late afternoon, uh, sort of a 10 to 12 degree kind of day, really, and winds at around... Oh, 20 to 25 there, thereabouts. Uh, over there on the other side, we hopefully have Mark. How are you doing, Mark? I'm doing grand, yeah. You practically described my weather as well. Uh, it's going to be sunny all day today, even though the, the, wind, the winds are even lighter here. They're only going to be 10 to 11 kilometres max. Some parts of the day, less than one kilometre. So it's quite uh, quite a nice day. I suppose the the last days of kind of we've passed the the autumn equinox, so you know, nights will be getting longer, days will be getting shorter. But who's complaining when we've got sun today? Well, sun, sun, it's all about the sun, especially this time of the year, anyway. Exactly. We are really privileged to be joined by another special guest this episode. We have Yas Portfleet from Nextcloud, and Yas is co-founder and head of marketing at Nextcloud, the company behind the Nextcloud community. He's a privacy activist, a, a really good guest to have on this show, by the way, and has been active in the open source community for 15 years in projects like KDE and OpenSUSE. Lives in Berlin and is very frustrated. He can't tell us much about the announcements at the upcoming conference, but we will see what we can drag out of him. Uh, Yas, <laughs> how are you doing? Well, I'm good, but I'm rather jealous because you're a bunch of lucky blokes. If I look outside, the weather is as drab and dreary as it gets. It's completely grey, a tiny bit rainy. And I'm pretty sure it's going to stay that uh, way for the rest of the day. So, um, oh. you know, I would say enjoy your sun. Uh, oh, think thank of you. me sometimes. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll send a glimmer of it your way. It's rare that the weather is better here than other places, mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. we'll take it for that. <laughs> <laughs> that is actually quite true. So, Yas, how are you doing? Well, uh, aside from the weather um, and the fact, of course, that it's 2020 with everything that comes with it. I mean, you know, yeah. <laughs> besides that, no, I'm good. Uh, of course, there's also the next conference, as, as I already complained about, uh, coming, which uh, puts quite a bit of work on the plate, a uh, bit of stress, you know, coming release, coming conference with lots of stuff happening. So, you know, uh, busy, but then again, I mean, that's kind of the fun, right? Always lots of stuff happening in open source. So, yes, that's good. Good complaint. I had a line of questions here for you, Yoss. And, and to be honest, as soon as you put in the chat that the next cloud conference was coming up in the beginning of October, all my questions <laughs> kind of just went out the window. And I was like, oh, there's a conference coming up with some, uh, so, some news. And uh, what, is, what really excited me about it was uh, that, well, uh, almost unsurprisingly, the theme of this year's conference is home office. 
Indeed. Uh, I mean, obviously, we've all been confined to that. <laughs> At least a lot of us yes. have been for mm. a big part of our lives. Now, at Nextcloud, we're kind of a work-from-home company because uh, we, while we have technically three offices, one of them, technically, the headquarters only receives mail. There's nobody there. Uh, the second one in Stuttgart has maybe, I think, three people usually. And then in Berlin, we have an office with five or six and everybody else work from home or from, um, you know, co-working spaces and things like that all over, well, all over the world, actually. We have somebody in Cap Verde, somebody in Hawaii. That's wow. the most exotic, wow. I must say. Uh, yeah. Most other people are in Europe, but between Italy, France, Spain, Germany, of course, um, Switzerland, it's, it's really all over the place. So we're quite used to it, uh, but of course, for a lot of people, well, it's been quite a shift, right? It's sometimes quite fascinating to talk to some of our bigger customers, uh, big companies, who asking us, how on earth do you get anything done? <laughs> wow. And um, Yeah, we've been thinking about it, discussing it, writing about it. And I mean, we've always developed Nextcloud, of course, for ourselves as well. Uh, eat your own dog food is, is really important for us. Hmm. So sure. we all use it, of course, to communicate and to, to collaborate, work on everything. But um, yeah, lately the, you, you talk to, uh, again, those big customers or smaller customers and they say like, yeah, you know, uh, how do you do this? And have we been thinking about it, talking to them, seeing what the challenges are and working on, on improving Nextcloud um, in, in the areas where they had challenges. So what you're using, Nextcloud Talk here, yeah. um, we improved for 19 a lot simply because we had a whole bunch of customers that were suddenly rolling it out and um, yeah, bumped in scalability and performance issues. So the Nextcloud 19 release came with Nextcloud Talk 9. That was a huge step forward in terms of performance. I, before you could get maybe four or five people in a call and after that going up to 10, 15 without the backend is doable. Wow. Um, it's all kinds of stuff that, that had to happen, of course, for that to work. Uh, some of it, um, yeah, just work, you know, kind of obvious, but just work like to dynamically lower the quality and things like that. That was a great mm. one. Yeah. Yes, but I know. But the upcoming release, um, so in performance, we can't, there's not a whole lot more we could do. I mean, there were a couple of things um, in 19 where... Like performance bottlenecks are on multiple levels with something like uh, audio video calls in the browser. One of the issues that you have is that, uh, well, obviously the bandwidth. Um, and yeah, if you send lower quality video, there's less, well, bandwidth being used. So that makes a difference. But another thing that we really discovered was that actually decoding those videos is a lot of work. And initially we had this... Um, nice little effect on the videos to you know increase brightness and contrast and um color uh, a little bit uh turns out this was like quadrupling the amount of cpu power required by most devices wow. <laughs> so just turning off that filter made already a huge difference for a lot of users especially on mobile um nice. it's really all these kind of things that that came with 19 and and really made a big difference for a lot of users so for 20, we've focused much more on, on well, features, so to say, on, on really those day-to-day -day things, 
Uh, you're sharing a file. What's the experience of that? I don't want to give too much away, but it's nicer. Okay, okay. <laughs> you know, just chatting. Um, uh, I don't know, uh, clicking on the quote of somebody scrolls back to the message that they actually posted. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, um, yeah it, it's little things that just make the end user experience a whole lot nicer. Absolutely. And um, that's, yeah, that's definitely a thing to look out for, especially if you use talk heavily. Yeah, I mean, all those things really matter. So that's so so uh, so we were really excited about even the jump from eighteen to nineteen to talk uh, to talk. Yeah, not you know the app mm. and um, and all those things you mentioned there. Actually, it's interesting to hear you talk about them because we've been on eighteen up until only recently, actually. And even for having extra guests on the show and stuff and making it as seamless as possible, uh, we really welcomed those changes. And I don't know, I was like a kid in the box when you when you started talking about um, reducing the video bandwidth and doing those optimizations to make um to make talk better because we we loved using nextcloud here and i know a lot of our listeners use it as well and um but hopefully we'll convert a few more after this you know but that's yeah. that dynamic um the the dynamic rate reduction that was in talk i'd say before nine so, so we backported it um, because, well, not everybody was already on 19 because this came with 19 and, and you know how it often goes, you know, just like you did, you, you wait a while before you upgrade to the new version. Mm. So we also brought it to a minor release of 18. So you got it around 19, even when you were on 18. We mm. can't always do that, but with this, we thought it was really important to exper improve the experience of everyone. So we put in the extra work to backport it. Because uh, that would explain, because we were doing some testing and we were just setting up computers around on either side. And then, um, you know, using IFTOP to, to watch how the, the bandwidth was going and stuff like that. And we could see changes happening as we added PCs and took them away. And it was really cool to see, mm -hmm. actually. I mean, it's it's great work. Good yeah, job. Yeah, and it? it's also they're trying to do stuff like, for example, when you are muted, then to reduce the frame rate because people are probably not looking at you when you're not talking either. Yes. Um, and before we also were not able to, when you would disable video, it would actually continue sending a black stream, <laughs> oh, <laughs> which okay. is kind of like, yeah, that did not help with the bandwidth. And now if you have a call with 30 people and some people are on a low bandwidth connection, you can ask everybody, hey, turn off your video. And then, um, well, you can actually decrease the bandwidth. That's that was what's coming in. Uh, that doesn't work with audio, by the way. But then again, audio is just a few kilobytes. That's so usually not the bottleneck. Sure, mm. in comparison to video. Yeah, that's not going to make a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. It still amazes me, though, that people expect to be able to, to do a video chat on their phone while they're walking around in middle of the countryside or something like ideally that. with a dozen people right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like it's nothing yeah a lot of end users they have just they don't realize all the technical limitations and and the magic i mean let's be honest we have one colleague um uh, who's been working on this whole next cloud and well you know the history before for like well 10 years now uh, and he's always saying the future is already here <laughs> uh, and of course, when you think about it, right, I mean, tablets, uh, mobile phones and everything they do, I mean, GPS alone, I always find it just so fascinating to think that when the first GPS satellites went up, the uh, engineers that had built and configured them, 
they had actually put in a switch, an Einstein switch, right? So the theory of Einstein's relativity predicts that if you go faster, time goes slower. And the satellites, they, the GPS satellites, they go so fast and um, that this effect is actually like relevant. Apparent, yeah. And because of course, for location, you really need extremely precise time uh, measurement. The scientists, like the physicists, they had said to the engineers, you need to put in a correction for Einstein's theory of relativity. The engineers, they were rather skeptical, apparently at the time. So they did not, well, they didn't have that in by default. But of course, when you didn't, don't have it on, you will see that your position starts moving <laughs> <laughs> because of the time difference. Ah. So that they turn it on. Like, this kind of stuff, you walked around with that in your bloody pocket. Yeah. And it, this is this is it's just mind-boggling. Yeah. And most people have just no idea what what happens in a car engine, what happens in a mobile phone. I mean, it's like rocket science is nothing compared to a modern CPU design, right? Like right. The rocket science of the 60s is just yeah almost child's play if you look at what companies are doing, like, you know, in Asia, TSMC, and of course, ASML in the Netherlands, these chip machines with their, you know, going from infrared to what, what did they go to ultraviolet? Like, it's just unbelievable. The lasers that they have, like, I don't know, ultraviolet light that has to be bundled so it falls on a chip. And apparently, like, ultraviolet light already gets blocked by air. So they have to work in a vacuum. Like, these things are like, wait, what? Yeah. And yeah, you can't use a lens because the glass would absorb the light. Wait, what? Yeah. You have to use mirrors to bundle and focus it. And it's like, yeah. yeah. So yeah, Crazy. the world is... I mean, how can you expect even people to realize that if you send a tweet, <laughs> that on the back end, like, you know, the whole universe is turning just to get that message to the eyes of the other person, right? It's yeah, you're dead right there. And and, and what and what's amazing about this is that people's expectations adapt so quickly. You know that mm. the, the, their expectations now are right. Oh yes, we want this and better. But actually, like you say, what goes on at the back end to make all this happen is is quite incredible. And um, and you know, Mark and I are kind of strong Ubuntu Touch users, and uh, we just kind of moved off Google phones and and. Uh, iOS phones and, and stuff and um, and it's funny when people f I feel I, I don't know this is my personal opinion but when people first go to Ubuntu Touch it's about the things it doesn't have rather than the things it does have oh. sometimes and you know I'm still quite pleased to have a browser on my phone I still quite find that quite amazing technology and just a few messaging apps and I'm happy but again people's expectations have jumped the, the, expectation, the expectations become immediate almost as soon as something gets released. Uh, I find that kind of, whereas I'm quite happy to jump back about three or four or five years and be four or five years behind the trend because the stuff that's going on at that time actually does still amaze me. Yeah, that's absolutely true. But just keep in mind that that then just means you're three years behind, right? In other words, you're also moving forward just as fast as everybody else. Yeah. You're just... You know, a little. <laughs> so, in the end, we're all moving forward in our our demands and expectations. I mean, it's interesting to see a bit of a debate about five G coming. You know, which is supposed to enable the next generation of whatever we don't even know. And and this is of course what four G did as well, right? When this was introduced, like 
what did you do on your telephone? Uh, well, you would load um, very basic versions, right? Because it used to be that mobile browsers and, and, and mobile websites were simplified versions of normal websites. That was before mobile first and that mm. kind of stuff. You know, you would load a, a web page and, and maybe, you know, look at an image occasionally. And these days, you know, music streaming, video streaming, it's all completely normal. And you're already using your phone to to open like the, the, the doors of a Tesla, you know, and you have this summon feature these days that you can just say, let my car come to me. I mean, God knows what's coming next, of course. I don't know either, but I'm sure that, you know, three years for all of us and six years from now, Wayne will want it. (laughs) (laughs) I won't, damn it, I won't. (laughs) Yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough. Since we got you on here to chat a bit about Nextcloud, let me just jump back a Mm. bit to some some of those. I I will ask you some of those questions I have. Can you tell us a little bit about your role at Nextcloud, uh, Jos? (laughs) So... uh... There's, well, I can talk long and short about that. Um, but when, when we started the company, you know, it was like, I don't know, 11 engineers and me. <laughs> I did community management before at, well, SUSE and, and other companies. Um, and before that, I came from actually like a very boring business consulting career uh, while doing uh, KDE promo stuff in my free time. So I come from like promotion and, and I don't know, talking to people. (laughs) So when we started the company, it's like, well, somebody has to set up a website and, you know, write a blog post and well, we are coding. So uh, Jos, get on it, please. That's kind of where it started. And since then, of course, I have uh, now uh, a team of people working with me to do the blog posts and everything that comes with it, obviously. from newsletters and, and, and social media and organizing the conference because, I mean, again, you know, yeah, we want to do a conference, you know, you want to come together and code and talk about Nextcloud. Can you find us a venue, get us some beer? That's how it starts. Uh, so it evolved and I technically, yeah, I called head of marketing. It just means I talk while other people do the work. <laughs> the, the marketing is working because I mean you're getting a lot of traction, especially you know with the mm. German government and everything. It's it's really exciting to see. Right, yeah, and the French government, but also yeah. a bunch of other governments all over the world. Actually, I mean we have like cities in the US. I think there's a city in Florida using Nextcloud stuff like that. Uh, so it's it's yeah it's uh, the thing is of course um, we are building what people need and in the like kind of on-premises world uh there isn't really competition that builds a comprehensive platform like we do right i mean there are some file sync and share solutions but let's be honest file sync and share is rather 2010. (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. since since google introduced google suite quite a while ago already people just expect more from their collaboration platform right and as as when yeah, we're just talking about expectations they go up and with just being able to share a file it's just not good enough you want the other person to be able to not just download the file and mail it back to you no you want them to be able to just go and edit the file and while they're editing the file you know they have a question you don't want them to have to grab 
their phone and call you because you know they might be in Australia and another time zone than you are in the UK. You want them to be able to use a sidebar to chat with you. You know, these things are just becoming not optional. So we are very ambitious. A lot of people say, oh, features and, you know, focus on stability. Well, obviously we do. Yeah, I mean, yeah, one person's bloat is not a person's crucial feature, right? Mm, this is sure. just how software works. Um, now, of course, we know that you can't just build everything and we try not to. Yeah, a lot of people um, sometimes seem confused about what our strategy is here. So so they ask us like, you know, um, yeah, why don't you build, for example, a mail server? Because Nextcloud, of course, has a client, but not a server. And that's actually a, quite a, a nice example to explain where our focus is, because we don't want to actually be building the underlying infrastructure. We are good at user interface. So whenever it is a user interaction thing and you work with it visually, day to day, you interact with it, that's what we're building. But we are very happy to use the underlying infrastructure. That's why we have this external storage, right? We don't want to build storage. We want you to use your FTP drive or your Windows network drive or your L SharePoint if you really want to and keep using it while we make this interface on top of it. And it's the same with, with things like Talk um, and our calendar and mail clients. We want to build the user interfacing part. So you get one integrated whole. So when people say, hey, you know, there are things like MetaMost and RocketJet, why don't you integrate those? Well, the thing is, we could take their user interface, but then you get a completely different user interface. And first of all, mm. the apps aren't written in PHP, so you can't just one click install and it works. And for us, ease of use is incredibly important because how else are we gonna convince normal people to use Nextcloud? But second of all, if you then go from Nextcloud files and you would click on the avatar of a person and then say, talk to name of person, and then you would switch to RocketChat, then suddenly you're in a completely alien user interface where like your configuration is in a different place. It doesn't integrate with the same search. It doesn't, you know, if you drag and drop a file in, it's put in a different location and it, you know, you can't use the file pick. Like you're in a different universe. And you see some solutions that integrate, but just iframing different apps. That's not really a solution. Or they open it in a new tab, which is, of course, even worse. That's not integration. I mean, sure, you have the same authentication, and maybe they can access the same files. But you don't share notifications. You don't share pretty much anything, right? User yeah. avatar, everything is different. It's very general. Uh, in in mm. Nextcloud, if you have a user avatar, you can click it. And you can, from the menu, mail the person, chat with the person, you know, like like connect. And that should work everywhere as much as possible. And we're working, of course, on things like an integrated office is integrated, but not perfectly integrated yet. We still have room to go mm -hmm. there. We are working with Collabra and OnlyOffice and others to try and integrate deeper with those so that if in Collabra you would type at, you know, Mark, yeah, then maybe it would be nice if it would actually show like an avatar that you can then click and get that same menu as you get everywhere else in Nextcloud. Uh, this is the kind of stuff we definitely would like to do, um, which technically can be quite hard. Sure. 
But then again, we already made pigs fly because when we integrated Collabora and only Office in Nextcloud Hub, uh, I can believe you, most technical people would go like, are you freaking kidding me? This is insane. Well, yeah, but it works. Yeah. And in the end, we're very practical people. Sure. It might be ugly, but it works. And that's what users need. Nice. And this, I think, sets us apart a little bit from a lot of other players who are either more technology-driven or just not getting the big picture, perhaps. Can you explain to me, Yas, um, without trying to step on toes here, but back in, <clears throat> back in your keynotes, or I don't know if you call it a keynote or what you call it, uh, for the release of the Nextcloud 18, you spoke... Um, mm-hmm on that about sort of strong integration with only office on uh, on nextcloud mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um and i know there's also um collabora uh, office as well um i guess I, i'm not even sure what my question is but I, I guess i got a bit confused there as to which office suite was becoming the uh i don't know let's call it the nextcloud approved office suite mm. um can you explain a bit about that well, let me first try and confuse you a little more. We Thank you. introduced last <laughs> week uh, also Microsoft Office uh, online server support. So Microsoft oh. Office online server support. I mean, they have this product, which is an on-premise Microsoft Office. And well, we bump into customers who are certain Microsoft can provide them a better Office solution than anybody else. I'm skeptical of that. I do believe that generally speaking, the compatibility between 365 desktop versus browser is actually probably even worse than between Collabora online browser and desktop Microsoft Office. But hey, you know, if you uh, want to never be able to be blamed for an incompatibility, (laughs) right? As a sysadmin, I can entirely imagine that if you're boss comes to you and says, hey, I could not open this document. And you say, well, we're running Microsoft Office online, you know, then the boss will say, oh, it must be my fault. But if you say we're running Collabora online, the boss will say, why did you pick that? This is a sad reality how it often works. Um, So yeah, we want to provide options. So after confusing you a little bit more, Let me see if I can mend things a little bit. (laughs) So after we introduced only Office with Nextcloud 18, Nextcloud Hub, the first Hub release, uh, with 19, we actually also shipped Collabora the same way and actually made that the default for that release. Um, So the point here is we're trying to build the best possible solution. And honestly, what we ship by default will be the one that is at that point in time, the best integrated, the one that gives the best integrated experience. Now, separate from integration, which as I've said before, is kind of our our key focus in what we're building. There are of course other elements. You can say, well, you know, uh, Collabora Online offers this like perfect rendering between desktop and and, um, browser version. Uh, or it offers enterprise features like macro support. Or you can say, yeah, but, you know, only Office gives me this, you know, nice, a little bit more microsoft e, more modern user interface that I prefer. Well, we do support both. Mm. And we do want to give people a choice between this as well as Microsoft. And who knows, there might be more someday. 
Okay. Um, that that's not to say that we wouldn't be happy if if one solution would be like really, 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 really well integrated. And again, that would be the one that we would ship by default. I see. But you know, we also don't want to tell people don't use big blue button. Yeah. Yeah, for example, instead of Nextcloud Talk, we even have a talk about Big Blue Button integration at the Nextcloud conference because, I mean, people have choice. Mm -hmm. And Nextcloud is a platform. We have Roundcube in our app store if you prefer that over Nextcloud Mail. That's fine. We will always find that, of course, Nextcloud Mail is the one that puts in a lot of effort into deeply integrating with Nextcloud so that, for example... When Nextcloud Mail recognizes that you got an email with an itinerary for a train trip, you can just click on the plus button and add it to your calendar. Nice. Yeah. Roundcube doesn't feature that. Yeah, this kind of features is is why us building this one unified interface has advantages. But it doesn't mean that you have to use all of these components. Of course, we still want to be able to interoperate with other solutions and not to tease too much. But at the Nextcloud conference, we are going to talk a lot about integrating with third-party platforms and other things because this whole, you know, crisis over the last years has shown that uh, when you're moving online as a company to for collaboration, I mean, you often end up deploying a whole bunch of different SaaS solutions, which, of course, creates an explosion in complexity, compliance yes. risk, and headaches of where is the last version of that file? How do I reach this colleague? Am I going to try Slack? Will I use Teams? Am I going to WhatsApp them? You know, this this mess. Yes, Nextcloud can help you consolidate that a bit. And you can say, well, we're going to use Nextcloud Talk for all the communication uh, that integrates with files and calendar and contacts and mail. Yes, that can help. And a lot of our customers, they do that. And they kind of use Nextcloud as a way to cut down on this wild growth of different platforms that don't always work well together. But you can't always do that for sure. First of all, Nextcloud doesn't do everything. Uh, you might have a ticketing system like, I don't know, Zamat or Jira. Um, you might have an e-learning system as a school. You know, I mean, Nextcloud doesn't do these things. I mean, we're not going to build everything. Um, and of course, your partners, they might be using Teams. You know, if you have a customer that is using Slack, you still want to be able to talk to them. So you still need a Teams account and a Slack account, and you want to be on IRC if you're a bit of a decent geek. Um, you want to try Matrix because, you know, it's the next cool thing uh, on the block. And, you know, Nextcloud should work with all of that in a nice way, ideally, right? So You do cover a lot. You do, I mean, you I mean what Nextcloud does, it does very well. And um, I personally have been using it for years and I find it amazing. Um, I had a lot of difficulty trying to um, get the place where I work to move off Office 365, as you mentioned. And and I put in a temporary Nextcloud server from them. And, um, oh, you know, it's just, it gets around to this thing that people just are, are difficult with change. You know, people find it hard to change, especially if they've been in one ecosystem. And, um, but also because I work in the education environment, Microsoft provides them their products for an incredibly cut down rate that you would uh, you would never buy from retail. Do you find mm -hmm. Nextcloud in schools right. much? I, I, I was just curious or, or that you know of. So, yes, uh, for example, um, 
uh, Bern, the capital of Switzerland, they have about 50,000 uh, primary school students on Nextcloud. Wow. So, you know, there are definitely, and, and that's just one deployment. We have all, there are, I think, uh, there are two German states where Nextcloud uh, is used in schools, like from a state level. So a lot of schools using it. So, um, and of course, in universities, Nextcloud, I think, you know, has already been, like, is incredibly, is used all over the world. There are literally hundreds of universities using Nextcloud, um, including, like, complete countries that are, you know, offering it to um, to universities for you. So it is used in education. Uh, and the interesting thing with what you just mentioned is um, people object to change, but you get a bit of the same effect, I think, as what I mentioned earlier, kind of in my, my example of the, the system administrator getting yelled at for using not Microsoft, right? I mean, Microsoft changes its user interface dramatically sometimes. Just look at what Skype has done. And of course, Microsoft Office going ribbon and now going away from the ribbon again. I mean, you can't say that the ribbon looked familiar, right? In any universe at that point, LibreOffice would have been far more familiar to users. Yeah. And yet, all companies moved to the ribbon, to the new version of Microsoft Office. Sure, maybe there were some complaints, but in the end, they didn't switch to a more familiar solution that would have been free. So it's not necessarily that people don't want to change, and especially these days when we're all used to all these mobile interfaces on, on iPhones and, and tablets and you know, Android phones, of course, people are far more used to different interfaces um, and, and switching between them. So I think things have become a little bit easier in that regard. Um, I think it is, I don't know, especially on, on, on the school level, it is more fear of the unknown rather mm -hmm. than, you know, like, like an unknown brand, perhaps, um, and, and following others and what they do. Like in our case, we, we started to see universities start to deploy Nextcloud like crazy when you had the TU of Berlin, the Technical University of Berlin, deploy Nextcloud and talk about it publicly because they are seen as a as a lighthouse to others. Like in, in the educational space, TU Berlin was the first university, one of the first universities globally who offered their students a file sync and share solution quite like eight years ago or something. Right, so so half the IT world is looking at what the TU Berlin is doing, or half the education university world. They're they're very prominent, and when you see them adopt Nextcloud, suddenly a lot of others follow because you know you can say, well, if they do it and it works for them, it should work for us. Um, and I think in middle schools we would perhaps need a similar lighthouse, but I don't think. Uh, universities are very international oriented. Exactly. And with middle schools, that orientation just isn't there. So I don't think there is one global middle school that you can win that everybody else says, oh, this is awesome, like you could do with universities. So I think this is one of the things also that kind of slows down progress. It, it goes between countries. In Switzerland, probably no surprise, there's a lot of interest in next round of middle schools because, you know, if it works for Bern should work for the others. And you see it now slowly coming in Germany as well. Um, but um, yeah, it, it, I don't know, there's, there's really a, a first uh, sheep over the dam kind of thing that is needed. And it can be quite hard to, to find that. I mean, we all are familiar, of course, with the story of Munich when it comes to open source and Linux desktops. 
right? Uh, if that one deployment goes wrong, then you have an incredible problem. And and this is actually, I think, where being open source is a bit of a downside uh, because we, uh, and it's the same in Munich to some degree, like I think one of the mistakes Munich made, one of the bigger mistakes, is that they kind of tried to do everything themselves, Yes. even building their own Linux distribution. I mean, if Munich would have gone to Red Hat or SUSE, I don't think it would have been the cluster <laughs> that it became. And I think there's a similar uh, thing that we have sometimes, that there are companies that, you know, find this Nextcloud thing on the internet, download it, uh, and think, oh, I can install this for myself. This works fine. And then because they're an IT company, they just offer this to a local government or to a bigger company as a service because, you know, oh, we're Nextcloud experts because we got it running. And we managed to find a couple of questions answered on help.nextcloud.com. Yeah. Uh, you know, where you have these Raspberry Pi users who tell each other how to get it running smoothly and performing well. And then they try to do a deployment at scale for like a local government. And it goes because, well, they didn't involve us. They don't yeah. have the expertise. I mean, if you get a random company on the internet to deploy you next Nextcloud for you, yeah, because, well, I'm sure it's cheaper than talking to us. I mean, hey, we cost money. Yeah, sure, but that's because we're developing the product and we know what we're doing. Yeah, and well, exactly. This this is a bit of a pain, yeah. you know? There are a lot of companies that offer services around open source products, but how do you as a customer know of quality, you know? And, yeah. and some of these companies, honestly, are just plain dishonest. Like, we get calls to our help desk from companies that think that they have a support subscription. They just didn't buy it from us, but from another company that, you know, has used the Nextcloud name and logo. Mm -hmm. So must have been legit. Uh, yeah, no, we can't help you. I'm sorry. That's just not how it works. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a bit of a yeah. Yeah, downside, I guess, of the whole open source model. I think uh, the companies are just not aware of it. Yeah, LibreOffice are experiencing similar difficulties mm -hmm. from our talk with uh, Mike Saunders a few episodes ago. Yeah, you know, and exactly. I don't know. How how can that be solved? That's Honestly, I one. think in a big part, it is awareness of the customers. And mm. of course, that requires communication from the side of the vendors too, but companies need to wisen up. Yeah, and big companies, they already have internal policies. Uh, it, it used to be there was an internal policy, no freeware. And that then extended to open source, as you might remember in the early 2000s, because they didn't understand the difference. Freeware is open source. <laughs> <laughs> so exactly, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, as, as open source person, that just made you want to claw your eyes out. But, you know. But this has changed. Most companies now um, realize this, and they even have policies internally often that say, like, you know, we don't deploy an open source solution without a support contract. And that's good. But then they often don't specify a support contract with who. Hmm. And the thing is, of course, a support contract, it's like an insurance. You know, most of the time things will be smooth or can be solved relatively easy. But when really the bad shit hits the fan. Uh, by the way, that was a failed attempt at not trying not to say that word. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I wanted to say bad stuff. Anyway, um, when it hits the fan, then 
um, well, then you really see the value of an insurance, right? And if you have a house insurance uh, that might cover, I don't know, uh, your front door breaking, but doesn't actually cover your house burning down, well, you know, the thing is you could have paid for that broken door yourself, but the house burning down, that's why you really need mm-hmm. insurance, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of a pointless insurance that you just bought. It's an insurance that doesn't cover the worst case, which is kind of what you really need insurance for. And this is the same as getting a support contract from a company that isn't actually the vendor or, or a partner of the vendor or has a significant number of developers on the product. I mean developers, not a couple of sysadmins that have Googled a little bit on Stack Exchange to find out how to set it up. Yeah, I mean, they can fix maybe a, a wrong configuration at Apache, but if you lose data because, I don't know, a component of the software doesn't work and there's a bug, they can't help you. And you are paying for an insurance that doesn't pay out when you really need it. Yes. And you you could just as well have not done it at all. And this is something I think a lot of, of businesses, even the big ones, are just not yet aware of. We, we need to educate them that not all support contracts are created equal. Mm-hmm. I mean, the thing is, of course, if you have support contract and you, have, you bought Microsoft Office with support contract, by definition... You got it from a legit Microsoft partner. Because, I mean, you can't get it otherwise. It's proprietary software. Microsoft chooses its partners, and you can't get it anywhere else. But this is not how it is in open source. You can get WordPress from a company that actually has no clue of WordPress other than the basic installation. But there's no real guarantee unless you would go to wordpress.org or .com and actually look on the partner page and check if this company is a partner. If you're not aware of this difference between proprietary services and open source, that in open source anybody can claim to be a doctor rather than that there is a central registration for who's a real doctor and who's just a charlatan. Yeah. I don't want to say all these companies are charlatans because a lot of them are offering good services. But without a partnership relation with the company that's developing the product, they're I would question the value of support contracts. They can only do the basics for you, but they can't go all the way, which is what you need a support contract for, especially if you're a big company. Yep. Yeah, and this doesn't matter if you're a 10-people design agency. At that point, you just want a cheap and reasonably reliable hosting. Mm-hmm. But if you are, I don't know, Siemens, yeah. then the costs of your 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 cloud solution going down for a few days is is millions right and at that point if you don't have a support contract with the actual vendor who can really fix it you made a capital mistake and this i think will do a lot to solve this problem i can feel the pain in your voice as you talk about this yes um (laughs) (laughs) yeah again if you get one of these support requests from a customer who thought they bought support sure it's it's not a fun conversation but it, it yes. might be against uh, tendering rules for a company to insist that the support has to come from a from the the vendor. You know, I mean, if someone else can offer the same product cheaper, their hands might be tied. Yeah, but it's not the same product, it's, right? Yeah, That's the yeah, problem. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, just like, well, um, I mean. I, and besides, I mean, tendering rules, are you kidding me? I see all the time tender offers for like, we want Microsoft Office 
from any vendor. It's like, yeah, mm. that's that's really like you're looking for an online office solution. No, you want this specific solution. You're just choosing a partner, yeah, right? Yeah. That That's not exactly an open tender, is it? And this is often how it goes. Um, so if that is possible, well, this is exactly the same thing. We want Nextcloud, but obviously from a real partner and not from a random company on the internet that has found the source code. Well said. Yeah, yeah. fair enough. What do you find are the most popular apps that the people are using on Nextcloud? Uh, that's an interesting question. Um, so over time, we've made a lot of these simply default apps. Yes. <laughs> that includes, of course, the calendar and the contacts and, and later the mail app. Uh, uh, a talk was more of a kind of a strategic decision because we saw that like communication became more and more important. Mm. Um, and, and for quite a while, I think people were like, you know, is this really going to become really useful and usable? But uh, I'm pretty sure, especially since Nextcloud Hub, that the, that talk is getting used very wildly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the same goes for something like text, uh, our, our, our text editor app that's just, I think, changing the way, you know, some companies take notes and, <laughs> and work together. Great, though. All yeah. things. Yeah. Um, it's really nice that, that we can bring also this stuff a bit to our desktop client. I personally, I, I still use my file manager for my files. And that you can now do a right click and then in the next world menu just choose edit so that you immediately get a browser window editing that document online rather than doing it you know locally yeah. so you can get conflicts resolved basically this kind of stuff really you know changes the experience and integrates these apps closer mm-hmm. well i think a lot of community apps you know like um well, bookmarks is a nice example of course they're also quite popular um, I think what I recently looked at this, I think bookmarks, like some bookmark releases have like 16, 17,000 downloads. Yeah, and if you think what that means, this is per server. Yeah? So 17, 18,000 servers that have this app installed, mm-hmm. that can be, well, that's a multiple of that in terms of users, right? Because each server has, well, I mean, how many users do your servers have, right? Or at a, at a company. So there are a lot of users for that. And even that is only a fraction of our total user base because we, um, yeah, I talk about it sometimes, but we estimate there are between 350, 450,000 Nextcloud servers on the internet. Um, so from that perspective, it's not even that popular. Um, I mean, it's also often because you have multiple apps for a lot of things, right? If you have the passwords app, Oh, there are two other alternatives in the App Store. Okay. Uh, if you have the music player, I think there are three or four different music players. So each of them has tens of thousands of installations. I know that. I know like the, the audio player app, I think, is in the 30, 40K range. Uh, I don't know what music is, but it's the older and earlier app. So I'm going to guess it's even more. So, yeah, it's... It, <laughs> big numbers there. Yeah, sure. A lot of users. Right. Um, we we can't not mention this upcoming conference. I'm just going to pull up your page there. So the conference is on the 3rd and 4th of October, which is just like next week. Um, mm. And uh, I see here you have, uh, you can get tickets. Is this for, and how does this work? Is it for an online? Is it is it live stream or do you need- Yeah, it's, it's an online uh, event. We do have a venue in Berlin because that was all already 
already arranged and we thought well you know let's use it it's a place for 200 people we're going to be there with about 20 so social distancing shouldn't be a big problem <laughs> um so what we currently plan um is that on saturday we're gonna record live locally the talks uh, and stream that live and add qa sessions and and other things to try and engage with the online audience as well so there's definitely value in joining it live because you'll be able to ask questions directly from the speakers uh, for example after the keynote by frank in which he will obviously do a couple of big announcements we do a panel with him and myself and uh, one or two other people from Nextcloud, and then the online audience can basically ask us questions and we'll answer them live um yeah ju just to give people an opportunity to react to the keynote and to the announcements and, and ask us you know more details about whatever they want and so we're gonna do that after every talk to, to give a, an opportunity because we have some interesting speakers of course of about all kinds of subjects give people an opportunity to ask questions fantastic and then on sunday we're going to proceed with all the talks from people who are remote which is well the vast majority also of the speakers and what we've done there is we're gonna we've worked with all the speakers to actually pre-record their videos but then uh, uh, pre-record their talks they're pretty short between three and six minutes usually but then after that we're gonna do a live qa session Ah, uh, yeah nice so again we want to try and and connect the people locally so you will be able uh, or like internationally actually so that you will be able to ask them questions about the talk because the thing is of course if you do both live the talk and the qa i mean we all know how it is with quality of online videos and all that we just wanted the quality of the talk itself to be really good yeah, good idea yeah and not sometimes have a speaker start and then like the network break halfway and leaving everybody with like <laughs> What was this about? Yeah. You know, it's not fun. No. Um, and, and you can't avoid that when you have 30 different talks, mm. right? There will be a few where the internet will screw up. That's sure. just the reality of an international event. So that's why we pre-recorded all the, the talks. But we do want this live opportunity for people to ask questions. So it will, again, be valuable to actually participate in the event. Sounds like a good way to do it, actually, to mitigate against uh, against those dropouts and those mm -hmm. things that inevitably exactly. happen. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, a QA, you can, worst case, continue in chat. Right. You know, if, if really necessary. And, of course, the talk itself, I mean, that doesn't work uh, to do that in chat. I mean, that's just awful. So this, I think, gives us a decent middle ground. Yeah, nice. Nice. Very nice. Mark, do you have any further questions for Yas? I feel like we should probably move to our under the hood section. Um, I know, yeah. I, again, I'd love to just keep on talking, but I suppose time is against us at this stage, you know? So, yeah, we should probably move over to, to under the hood. Yeah. Um, under the hood is a section of the show where we just give out some kind of uh, open sourcey, Linuxy based tips. So I'm, I'm sorry for throwing you under the bus, Yas. Uh, you've got about two minutes to come up with one. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, yes. That's no pressure. Uh, thrown under the bus kind of thing. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Any uh, KDE hints and tips or news for us or anything would be nice. I mean, what do I do myself a lot? Uh, I recently discovered that Kmail has this nice follow-up reminder uh, where you can set in an email like that you want to be reminded of that email thread later on. 
uh, unfortunately, it has the weird habit of like popping up. I don't know. I think once a day oh. until you hit the date of the reminder, which oh, to yeah. me feels like, I mean, I want it to be reminded on that day, <laughs> not every freaking day in between, please. Thank you. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a cool functionality, actually useful. I really like how mail clients are developing these days. And there is, well, there's a lot of actually improvement. I don't know. I guess maybe you've seen the Hey Mail announcement. Um, some time ago, a company Hey or introduced new mail client uh, Basecamp. I think is the company behind Basecamp. They introduced new mail client called Hey, oh, yeah. which introduced a whole lot of interesting new concepts. There's there's a video from them from their founder walking through the mail client. Um, I don't know, play it at one and a half or two speed, uh, go through it, and have your mind blown by a whole bunch of. I mean, some of it is just a different interface. I mean, they tout it as like revolutionary, mm-hmm. but it's a different interface to the old concepts, mm-hmm. but still very nicely implemented in the browser. And I'm hoping a lot of this stuff will also come to other mail clients because thankfully, um, you know, g- good ideas like that, they do spread everywhere. Um, I mean, this whole uh, uh, application became extra famous because Apple blocked it from the App Store. <laughs> We all know uh, how a soap that is lately. Um, it's, um, yeah, <laughs> all separate story. Uh, great. Well, you did very well there, Consider we did throw you under a bus with that one. <laughs> Fair play. I mean, hats off for that, uh, for that response. Um, nice. <laughs> Mark, under Thank the hoods you. from you. <laughs> My under the hoods have practically nothing to do with Linux at all. <laughs> but... Um, did come across uh, Corey Doctorow uh, is doing a Kickstarter attack surface. It is. So uh, mm. he is, there's currently 12 days to go on it. And it's the long awaited third little brother book. Um, I've backed it myself. I'm quite excited about uh, listening to it while flicking through the PDF and hopefully having the the real book as well <laughs> was um, the actually to get the books themselves you have to uh, go through the publishers it's not part of the Kickstarter it's a different a different thing but yeah I thought I would mention that because um, I think those little brother books in Homeland as well were really good interesting techie reads and um, quite uh, quite uh, considering, I think Little Brother was written back in twenty uh, two thousand and eight. I thought it was about two thousand and ten. But considering it was written back in two thousand and eight, I mean the stuff it describes in it is just happening now, and Big Brother is you know watching us. Surveillance capitalism is everywhere, and it was it's a good story mm-hmm. uh, to to read and read to your children as well if if you have them especially when they're <laughs> very young stories. <laughs> <laughs> I love it so oh, they won't be getting good. into this stuff when they're older <laughs> you know I suppose there's some parts you might have to skip over <laughs> if you're reading it <laughs> anyway <laughs> um, yeah so that would be um, one of my under the hoods and uh, I have another 
under the hood, which I just can't think of at the moment, so I'll pass it back to you. <laughs> Mark, Mark, poor show, man, poor show. Um, okay, my under the hoods, uh, I just want to say firstly about uh, Ubuntu Touch release OTA 13 is out. Um, has some really nice improvements on that. Some extra phones being added to their list of uh, compatible devices are, are and um, more devices being worked on, uh, upgraded to the Qt Web Engine 5.14, and that brings some performance enhancements to the uh, Morph browser that they use. And uh, talking about expectations, uh, Yas, as we were earlier on in the uh, in the show, um, they have now gotten text handles to select text in your browser. Now, I'm sure that's stuff that everybody has had for years, and I am absolutely delighted it now comes to me. Um, <laughs> and uh, Well, there is an advantage to that sometimes, right? I mean, yes. if you're second, you often get to learn from the first and do it a little bit better than the others. So. Absolutely. You know, it's not all uh, doom and gloom, I guess, living three years behind the rest of the <laughs> Very nicely put. We'll chat about that after the show, maybe. Um, <laughs> you get the new and improved experience. <laughs> and um, also including things like reading PDFs inside the browser. That's com- that's available now. Their open width box is all improved. Um, again, look, there'll be a link in the show notes to go through uh, what the improvements are there. But it's a significant update and the guys are working incredibly hard to... to um, to keep it as current as possible and moving at their pace with their with their resources and, and hats off to them as usual. Um, I, I did come across an instance as well throughout the week where I wanted to see if uh, the drive that I had in a laptop or in a desktop was an SSD or a uh, or just a spinning spinning rust. And um, I wanted to do it. I was only on a terminal and I had to kind of think about how I'd go about finding out that information. Of course, I had to do a bit of a lookup, but I came across the LSBLK command with a hyphen D hyphen O, uh, O being options, I think, uh, followed by name comma rota. And um, rota means rotation device. And if you get a value of rota in the output um, as one, it's a, it's, a spinning, it's a spinning disk. And if the value is zero, it's an SSD. I just thought that was an interesting one. Maybe there are easier ways to find out, out that information. If people want to send that in to me, I'd be delighted to receive it. Um, links in the show notes for that as well. And I don't know if we mentioned last time, but Maybe you mentioned this in the last show, Mark, but there are more maker books on the Humble Bundle uh, DIY oh, maker yeah. school. Um, that's again, just check the links. We're always talking about the Humble Bundle here. I won't go into it too much. But uh, if you are a maker and you like looking up stuff, uh, have a look at that. It is worth a look. Um, so I suppose that brings us around to our, uh, our, our saying of the show, Mark. Do you have one for this episode? Um. Well, actually, do you know what? I was thinking of one when uh, Yoss um, was talking there earlier. And um, I've been listening a lot to uh, Michael Franti this week, uh, just to kind of relax a bit and whatever. But uh, one of his songs, um, he's just got an album out from earlier this year, and it's um, Work Hard and Be Nice. Right. But uh, one of the songs is called um, Bad Shit Happens. But good shit happens too. So I think that's a, you know, a good saying. Yeah, very good. I like it. 
Um, Yas, firstly, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to come and chat to us here and to give us the insights that you have on Nextcloud. And uh, and it was very interesting chatting to you. And I totally agree with Mark. We could have chatted to you easily for another hour without even trying. Um, <laughs> but such is the way of... My pleasure. Uh, such is the way of things. Uh, really looking forward to the conference. I'll be tuned into that to see what's coming up. Um, you didn't leak too much away. I think you did very well there. Well as done. A, a, <laughs> <laughs> holding back some of the goodness that we'll get in. Uh, it, it, I suppose it takes care of uh, some of the things we'll get to uh, chat about maybe in the, in the next episode of the Binary Time Show. But yeah, thanks for your time mm-hmm. and, um, and it's been really nice to talk to you and see you in the flesh over next Cloud Talk. Indeed. Likewise. Uh, thanks a lot, guys. It was a fun show. And um, well, I hope uh, your listeners enjoyed it as well. And a lot of them will tune into the next up conference too. Yeah, it was a perfect time to have you on, actually. Perfect timing. Yeah, yeah, nice one. All right, folks, that's all from me, Wayne, here on this episode. If you'd like to support us, check out the support page on the website. Thanks to all our usual contributors and thanks to those of you who give us ideas of things to talk about in the chat which we have been completely ignoring for the last couple of weeks because we have had guests on the show um (laughs) however we will get to those maybe next time uh enjoy your weekend and see you next fortnight yes indeed i'd just like to say uh thanks to amiga ireland as well they gave us a a shout out on on their show uh because um we sent them in some hints and tips and uh, they mentioned Mike Saunders as well as a, you know, as an Amiga user and everything. So thanks for that. And it was a great listen too. Yeah, nice one. I must listen to that, actually. I didn't realise that was a show. I'm going to chat about, touch you about that afterwards as well. Yeah. All right, folks. Uh, next time. Take it easy. See ya. Bye now. listening to a member of the Otherside Podcast Network. Find more at otherside.network.